Welcome to the ABLE podcast. I am so excited to have Lindsay on with us today. A little bit about Lindsay. Lindsay and I went to college together. We bonded over our love of dance and went to the same, we were in the same sorority. So Lindsay has a special place in my heart. I'm so excited that she is here. She's going to share her birth story with us. And we're going to talk about all things postpartum and mom life. So welcome, Lindsay. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited. The, the dance life. I just, (laughs) we did really bond over that. (laughs) We really did. And it just makes me so happy. And then I feel like we got reconnected in this new mom space, supporting one another. And um, it's been really great. Absolutely. Yeah. Postpartum is just like a whole beast of its own. And we definitely did reconnect over the difficulties of postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. And I found, I remember, it's so funny, I'm packing for a trip right now uh, to go home and I've got some uh, like little snack cups that you recommended. I remember reading. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. That has the like little handles on it. So you can put it on there. And I, I was like, Oh, I got my little snack cups that Courtney recommended. Oh, Um, how fun. And you actually started your own blog, which I love. That is how, I mean, that's how I discovered your story. And that is why you're here today. And I love your blog as well. And you're also, I mean, you are a a mom, momming so hard and also have a full-time job. I don't know how you do it. So I'm really excited to dive into that. Yeah. It, um, it's felt like I've been working to, I like, I joke with others that it's like, I've had two full-time jobs for a really long time. And I, any mom that's uh, being a mom is a full-time job in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to, you know, any other person, whether it's working in an office or building your own business, like you're doing, you're, you're juggling so much and working, working so many jobs. So absolutely. Feel for all the mamas. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Salute to all of you. So wherever you want to dive in on your birth story, I would love if you could share, share with us, because this is a (laughs) wild ride that you're going to take us on. (laughs) It really is. And, um, it's been a while since I have gone back to the headspace of what my birth experience was like. So I, as Courtney and I were chatting earlier, I was like, oh man, this is going to be re-traumatizing for me. Spoiler alert, it's a yeah. little traumatic. Um, I wrote- Which is why it's so important <laughs> that we're talking about this because yeah. as someone who didn't really have an eventful like birth story myself, when I read about yours, I was like, oh my gosh, people- need to hear about this yeah it's just the craziest thing I mean at like you know one of the themes I think we could go down and talk about is advocating for yourself and just being prepared and I really so you can you can read my whole birth birth story I've got a a prelude was kind of my so I broke it up into four parts in a prelude so the prelude was kind of my like okay if you are of the personality that you maybe don't want to know and don't like, don't want to fill your head with an experience like mine. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the key points. Here's the things I want you to know, talk to your doctor about that I would have found really useful. 
Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then I kind of broke it up into four parts because fun fact, I was in labor for 56 hours before the big event. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, uh, you know, thinking back on it, I, the, the, like, if you were to describe your birth in a couple of words, I like, I asked myself that question over and over again, as I was kind of writing this out and at like, honestly, it was long, unexpected, uncomfortable and traumatic. And mm-hmm. I come from a health background. I have a master's in public health. I am, you know, a certificate and graduate, uh, <laughs> community health education. I felt like I was really prepared. And mm-hmm. my, my current full-time job is a knowledge manager. I am a knowledge manager for a health tech company. And my job is curating resources and knowledge sharing. And I felt like I was very prepared going in. Mm-hmm. I felt like my experiences put me in a good place um, to have a good experience. And I felt like I was advocating for myself and it still turned out <laughs> unlike anything I expected. And um, I heard a, a video or a snippet of, I think it was Jordan Peterson that had said, you know, people that experience trauma or PTSD, it's an aspect of that could be because there was just so unexpected. It was something, it was a, something that they never could have imagined to happen to them. And that's part Mm -hmm. of the reason why it's so traumatizing. And I heard that a couple months after, um, fresh postpartum was like, Oh, that's, that's good. So that was part of the reason that I wanted to, wanted to write and write about my story and, and share it with others so that they feel a little bit more, um, empowered to advocate for themselves and can hear other stories. Cause I think on social media, it's, I, I put this in my story, but it was like the birth stories that I saw beforehand almost kind of tailored what my expectation was going to be. Yeah. Um, and then I shared the ones that I found afterwards that were kind not similar in the same way to mine, but were traumatic and were very, mm-hmm. you know, those other opportunities or those other options of how birth could go. Um, and the ones that I'd wish I'd found. And I remember, uh, shout out to one of our other sorority sisters who is a NICU nurse, um, uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I shared it with her and she goes, girl, that was the, like the cream of the crop. The like best case scenario you could have had for, uh, not mine, but the, one of the videos yeah. I shared, uh, one of the birth experiences. And I was like, well, that's good to yeah. know. I wish I would have yeah. known that. And, uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, people don't really like talk about their birth stories. So no. it was something I never looked into either. I mean, I guess I just assumed like, oh, everything's gonna work out. Like you just don't really talk about it with anyone. And yeah. all the research that I did had to do with the baby. Like I was never really researching like my what my own experience would be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it you know, just uh, like the biggest thing for me is that every person's birth experience is so different and Mm -hmm. it's going to look different. And I think a good indicator and something to talk about is talk to your mom and your grandma Mm -hmm. and your aunts and, you know, people that share your genetics that you can figure out what their birth experience was because my, my mom in particular, it was not something that she felt comfortable talking about. I, we never actually talked about it until the very, I was 39 weeks pregnant. And my sister-in-law was like, Hey, you should probably talk to your mom. She actually went 41 weeks. I was like, Oh no, no. Like she hadn't. And I had this whole idea in my head and I don't know why 
but we had never talked about it until she brought that up. I was like, yeah, no, your mom and your grandma actually both went over 41 oh weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, to me, had I known that before, I would have had a little bit, you know, better expectation. I spent this whole like week 36 on that. I was like, Oh, my water's going to break today. Oh, today's mm-hmm. going to be the day I'm going to, you know, I got to be prepared. I got to have everything ready. And realistically <laughs> I got induced and day after day after day, he yeah. just was, he was just perfectly content cooking in there. And that was yeah. not even an option in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I think the other thing, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is widely known or they, you know, it's tried to be promoted in health is this like one in three women end up having a C-section, which I was like, okay, yeah, totally get that. I've got, you know, all of my education, how I wanted my birth to go. And in my head, it's not that having a C-section wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realize that my, the way I got to a C-section was then I thought that for whatever reason, I had this assumption that C-sections were an emergent. Mm-hmm. Those were the only experiences I knew about. My mom's was emergent. My brother's umbilical cord was around his neck and she got rushed into the, into the um, surgical. And that's why she had a C-section and all, all of the experiences I <laughs> never knew. And yeah. I talk about it in, in the last part that I remember the anesthesiologist was like, okay, well, do you know why you're going to a C-section? I just remember staring at her. I was like, this is a trick question. Like, are you supposed to know? Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? And she was like, oh, your failure to progress. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. And I know like reading about it online, people are like, oh, they should call it something different. It's failure. You know, we want people to feel like you're a failure. I didn't feel like I was a failure per se. Yeah. It, I was just, I didn't even know that that was an option and didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, how the induction process leading up to that, it's, yeah. it was like a timeline. I was on the set timeline and it didn't necessarily align with, um, align with what I thought my birth experience would be like and what my pain options would be like when I got to the C-section, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why it ended the way that it did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, one of the, I'm going through, I've got my, my little notes pulled up here, but yeah. Um, I think one of the big things is just talking to your provider about the total timeline and have them walk you through the different options, the different types of procedures and medications they may use to induce labor. Um, there's, you know, uh, I've talked to other women that are um, postpartum nurses or labor and delivery nurses that shared with me after reading my story, they're like, oh my God, my hospital does not even do Foley's. That's not even an option. That's archaic, yada, yada. And I've talked to other people that say, oh yeah, I was able to get cervical ripening and or a Foley and go back home, not having to stay at the hospital. Hmm. Um, and it just, you know, I, I trusted that my doctor was going to update me along the way. And I didn't have a very strict birth plan for that reason that I felt like I was just going to roll with the punches and that we would assess kind of as the situation presented itself. And Mm -hmm. that it, you know, I just never imagined (laughs) what happened when, um, and that fun fact, C-sections, you do experience feeling of uh, pulling and tugging and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be painful, but you do experience pulling and tugging. And they tell you that as they're wheeling you into the room and you're like, Oh my God, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, did Crazy. you, did you have a C-section? I did not No, did not. but I induced with both, both girls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a voluntary induction. I remember they gave me the option at 39 weeks because my doctor was only in one day that week. And she's like, you're already dilating. Would you like to come in on Wednesday and get induced? And then and I was so naive to literally everything. So I was just like, yeah, sure. And now looking back, like, and doing research myself now, I probably would have done things differently. And if I were to ever have another child, I will do things much differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting. I've struggled with this idea of like wanting to do a VBAC. So it VBAC is vaginal birth after C-section. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I was like really set on, but after, you know, careful deliberation what that experience might be like, I am probably going to end up doing a um, voluntary C-section for the, for the next time. Now that I'm finally to the point where I feel like yeah. the idea of having kids is an option because after what I went through, I didn't, it, my husband and I both always wanted multiple kids. And after mm-hmm. what we, not even what I went through, what we went through, it, we both were like, Oh, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we can, if we can go through something like that again. So we're, we're there, but yeah, I, um, I just kept waiting it out. My, it's funny you say at 39 weeks, I had no idea either. They, um, my baby was breached until like right at the last minute, I think was the 37 weeks that last sonogram that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, you know, really great. And then just a cluster, honestly, from the very beginning, they had on my chart written down wrong that I was, they thought I was 30, when I was 40 weeks, the fry was due on a Monday. So it would have been 39 in five days or something. Cause you know how, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. how they do it. they're like, you're 39 plus however many days. That was a new yeah. thing for, for me being a, a newly pregnant. Um, I was right at the end of 39 weeks and the doctor comes in and was like, all right, so your baby's not quite measuring and we're going to, we're going to send you off to Fort Worth. And I live two and a half, three hours West of Fort Worth. I was like, I'm sorry. What? I was like, I'm supposed to be giving birth on Monday. What are you talking about? Um, And they're like, oh yeah, sorry. We wrote it down wrong. So we drove all the way, you know, we packed our little bags and we drove just in case I delivered on the two and a half hour drive. And there's, yeah hospitals between here and there Um, so yeah that was the way that we started off and I found out that he actually he was good to go from that doctor and actually he was very large uh, not as small as the ultrasound tech at my doctor's office had said so we were this like last week weren't sure and the doctor was like well I could just induce you right now and I was like you induce me right now what yeah. He was like, or you could go to Fort Worth. And I was like, maybe we'll just go to Fort Worth maybe so I can pack a bag. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> pack gosh. A bag first. But yeah, we, we went out there. They said we were fine. So we went back home and just kind of waited everything out. Um, and then, you know, we, we got there, we scheduled the induction for somewhere the end of, oh yeah, 40 weeks and five days following week later. Still nothing mm-hmm. had happened. I was like 50% effaced or thinned. Yeah. But I had not dilated at all at that okay. Um, So we went in and all they told me, they were like, the hospital's going to call you. Uh, they'll let you know for induction. I didn't know anything about cervical ripening or anything else. Mm-hmm. So 
I just kind of patiently awaited their call and 20 minutes passed and I hadn't heard anything. So I called to the nurse station. Apparently it was a good weekend to have a baby because everyone was having a baby and they were super rushed. They're like, we'll call you back. We're probably not going to get you in today. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, uh, okay. So, you know, my husband, we had taken our dogs to our friend's house. We had to have someone like <laughs> someone watch our animals. And yeah. okay. I was like, you know what? We're going to have a baby. We're not going to freak out. It's going to be fine. We're just going to chill. So when they call back later, uh, like an hour and a half later, and I was in the shower and I hadn't, didn't answer my phone and saw that they called and I was like, oh my God. So I called them right back and the nurse is like immediately like super feisty with me because, um, cause I didn't answer right away. And she's yeah. like, okay, we're ready for you. And I was like, oh, I thought you said you guys weren't going to be able to get me in today. And she was like, no, you need to be here at five o'clock or whatever, four 30. I was like, yeah. and- before lunch or dinner time I was like oh, okay so I was like close the phone and I like yelled out to my husband I was like okay we gotta go we gotta go so we like rushed to get everything ready grabbed our masks mm-hmm. and we're like running rushing to get there didn't have time to eat didn't know what the policy was with all yeah. of that. so we get there and <clears throat> the <laughs> the rocky theme song was playing when we walked <laughs> in and I like I'll never not hear that. Like I have such an association with that now. And oh, we were sure. sitting there and I, we were like, my husband loves Rocky. So he like looked at me <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, oh my God, what a cool hospital. I was like, I remember I like jokingly was like, yo, Adrian, let's have a baby. <laughs> we were standing there waiting. Oh God. My, my brother messaged me and he just, I have the best relationship with my brother and his he and his wife's birth story is just hilarious. My brother is such a storyteller Mm -hmm. and I like can just vividly remember what his story was like. And he, (laughs) you can read what he texts me there, but it just like really amped me up and it was just like the right thing to say to me to get me excited about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got in there in 25 days of Christmas because it was, I was due November 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was into December. So 25 days of Christmas was playing. I was like, this is fabulous. We don't have cable. We're just going to watch a Christmas movie, <laughs> deliver my baby. And it's going to be so great. Um, but you know, they get you checked in and the doctor or the nurse, I've got two nurses in there and one's doing the IV and the other one's asking me a bunch of questions. They're like, Oh, okay. Do you know what kind of cer- cervical ripening you're going to get? I was like, hmm. in my head, sassy Lindsay was like, I don't know the kind that brings the baby. I did. <laughs> There's multiple kinds. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, did, I just didn't know if your doctor would. I was like, oh, I'm not sure. They didn't, like, I didn't even know I was getting that done. And yeah. she was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, it's end of day and it's a Saturday and I'll, we'll try and get a hold of your doctor. So that delayed it. And then I don't know whether or not they got a hold of him or they just made a decision, but there's two types of cervical ripening. One is one pill, the other one is four pills given every four hours so there's your timeline there's a starting timeline yeah and the one thing I had on my birth plan was that I wanted to be up and moving and I wanted to delay Mm -hmm. pain medication if I could I wanted to delay an epidural epidurals Mm -hmm. are known to delay progress to slow progress and in in my head I wanted to give a I I wanted to do it without pain medication if Mm -hmm. if I could and that was just kind of the way I wanted to address it was to be up and moving. And I had done a lot of research going in about the different movements I could do. And, you know, 
pain pressure techniques. My husband and I literally practice like the the double hip pressure and all yeah. the different things. And we felt like we were so prepared. And um, when you get those pills, you have to wait for an hour. Otherwise it can dislodge. Oh, wow. And um, I remember I got it. I got the first two and I was like, okay, not exactly going how you want to go. And I kept reminding, I just kept trying to find the good in it. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's, you know, stay flexible. It'll be fine. It's overnight. You're basically sleeping. Not a big deal. If you're not moving, we'll get up and move tomorrow. So mm-hmm. we did that. And um, I remember looking at the screen and I was like, I mean, I don't know how to read this, but these look pretty close together and pretty high. I was like, no, yeah. that can't be right. And I was like, I looked at my husband he like walked over there just like looking at it. I was like, okay. Like he knows what's going on either. And he's like, no, I think that, I don't think that that's wrong. I think that that's the like, right. And it was pretty high um, yeah. already. And I remember I woke up at like <clears throat> three o'clock in the morning and they were, you know, night sh- shift was on. It was a different nurse. Mm-hmm. I hadn't met them yet. Cause I had been asleep and I was like, oh, they're late. And I was like, oh, I've worked with so many hospital staff before and mm-hmm. past experiences that I just know how easy it is to get behind or have other um other patients that they have to tend to so I like never mm-hmm. wanted to be that patient that was bothering them so I was like oh I'll just wait 20 more minutes and then mm-hmm. I'll call them and then I was just like oh my god so I called them and had the new nurse come in she's like oh yeah your contractions are way too close together for us to be able to put the next one in so we'll have to wait for your contractions to slow before we can put the third one in I was like okay so that added on to my timeline um, we finally got to the point then that we, they could start it up again. And then the new shift came on and then my doctor came in. They're like, okay, great. We're going to place a Foley bulb um, and they'll do your cervical track. So they did my cervical track and it was 0.5 centimeters. And I literally remember they told me that I was like, what? Yeah. They're like, yeah, you're 0.5 centimeters. They're like, but it's fine. Everything will be fine. We're going to do the Foley bulb. It's really great. It'll, you know, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I had never heard of that until you had posted about that in yeah. your story. Yeah. 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 It was just, uh, you know, so that was, and to me, that could have, it could have been a very simple conversation that I could have had with my doctor going in, but instead it just, there were, you know, a lot of things yeah. that I think led to that, but you know, mm-hmm. to just know that that was an option and what that might be like. And maybe if you do have to do cervical ripening, you know, now beforehand to ask your doctor, if they're yes. not going to give you that option, like I kind of expected my doctor would mm-hmm. ask them like, okay, what type of, you know, what type of cervical ripening are we using? Can I do it at home? Yeah. What is your preference? What experience do you have with your different patients? And, you know, mm-hmm. that have similar cases to what mine are like, um, to help you make that, you know, best informed decision. But yeah, it was only 0.5 centimeters. So we're like, okay, we're on to the next thing. So the other piece I hadn't talked about yet was I hadn't eaten anything. Oh, I had yeah. not eaten yeah. anything because they were like, the nurses are called, they're going to tell you everything. And I didn't know. And we had gotten there and there was so much back and forth between trying to get my medical records. Cause they didn't have those either. Mm-hmm. In addition to what my doctor's recommendation was, by the time the nurse had come back, dietary services was closing. They're oh like, gosh. oh, you like, you need to eat. Well, they had me coded in the system as the labor and delivery unit. So we called down to dietary services and my husband was literally like raising his voice at this woman. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't give him 
rightfully so, most L&D don't allow you to yeah. have solids before, just in case you do have a C-section. Yeah. Um, there's stipulations around that, but I had, I didn't need anything for the whole time. I mean, from two o'clock on Saturday, I'd had no food. Um, and that's another, I mean, you need energy to be able to push, you need energy to be mm-hmm. able to do a lot of these things. And I had none, I had nothing. Mm-hmm. All I could have was the broth and the apple mm-hmm. juice and, um, they were able the nurse that came in on Saturday was like you're so early on I'll talk to your doctor for you because he was he was not having it and she was able to convince him you're an angel convince him I was able to eat grapes Mm -hmm. uh, and a half of a wrap is all I was able to have a turkey wrap I remember um so yeah 24 hours later I was one centimeter started one centimeter dilated and they were getting ready to do the Pitocin okay um so I got Pitocin and like I want to say the afternoon um I remember my husband was laying asleep on the couch and the like sunshine just living his best life (laughs) I remember I took a picture and sent it to our family that I had like the little uh thing that said Pitocin on it it just like, oh god cracks me up and like true has been formed he's like oh the couch is so uncomfortable just like sunning while I'm sitting in this super uncomfortable <laughs> the super hospital uncomfortable bed hospital yeah. bed and the LND beds too this is another reason why you maybe don't want to be there for a long period of time the beds break apart again rightfully so from a design mm-hmm. perspective when you've got to drop it and be able to give delivery but yeah the, the metal on metal that's in those two pieces of bed is right where your butt is and mm-hmm. I was in so much pain the beds were so uncomfortable but yeah most people don't spend 56 hours in those beds so crazy yeah oh gosh um so yeah I got Pitocin and you know we were having a good time and I, uh, you know, the, the contractions were kicking up, but it wasn't anything that I could manage. I had a mm-hmm. heating pad and my background is, um, I was pre PT and I worked as a PT tech and aid. So all of the, like all of the little hacks and tips and tricks mm-hmm. I've got, you know, I had all of that and I was ready to tackle everything. I had my little rolling pin and my husband was massaging my back and we had the heating pad and all these other things. And in my brain, it was, I was like, okay, I want to go as long as I can without the epidural, but yeah. I, like, I would be okay if I had to use epidural as a tool for labor. Labor, and I had read that somewhere from um, a pregnancy education site that the way that they phrase it is that you're, you use epidural as a tool for labor. Labor, man, why can't I say that today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I, that's just, I think, a cool perspective to call out because I think a lot of people think that at, like oh, you gave up or you didn't, like, mm-hmm. if you weren't able to give that natural, natural birth that they mm-hmm. have, it, like, it's just another tool in your, in your toolbox is that. Yeah. So it wasn't anything that, um, that I was against by any means, but I was, you know, just really, really interested in trying to do it the way that I could. Yeah. Um, so that evening, then the OBGYN came back to place my Foley balloon, Um, and basically what that is, is they insert this like long balloon into your cervix and they put saline into it and they blow it up on like the inside and then they blow it up on the outside so that it like will kind of force 
Mm -hmm. um, dilation, but it leaves this like very long hanging balloon. Yeah out of you and so my husband and I were like cracking up laughing as I'm walking the halls because I could like feel yeah. it swinging oh my, God, yeah. my legs um and I was fine after a little bit but it was very uncomfortable and mm-hmm. I have a high pain tolerance and I like I know a lot of people say that they have a high pain tolerance and I like I don't love saying that but I yeah truly do have a high pain tolerance and um I remember just kept like I kept telling myself to breathe through it. And the only thing that I could think to relate it to um, is if you've ever had an abnormal pap smear where they've mm-hmm. had to do um, biopsies um, and they scrape, they, it, there's a formal term yes. to say, like call it scraping your cervix. Mm-hmm. It was like that, but worse. Um, oh my God. And I also learned after the fact, after talking to other moms and reading more that a lot of women get an epidural before they get the Foley balloon placed because it is so uncomfortable. Really? Um, But you know, that was my one thing in my birth plan was that I didn't want an epidural and I wanted to stay Mm -hmm. up and moving. So I don't know if it was a like, (laughs) it almost felt like a, like, we're going to show you. We're going to show you what this is like. I, I like that's I don't know I I'm not 100% sure that was the feeling but I like I almost wonder if that was a if that was a part of it but it yeah um, I just didn't want it to you know especially now at this point I was hardly <laughs> I was one centimeter if that yeah. um so I didn't want to slow progress but I remember I like I couldn't even look my husband in the eye and the like moment he came over to hold my hand after because they wouldn't allow him near me during it mm-hmm. I just like broke down crying it was like I was so uncomfortable but we got up and you know we were trying to make light of the situation and we came back down I got my new nurse and she's like okay well what's your pain level I was like oh I don't know like a three or a four and I remember she snapped her head and looked at me and was like what's your actual pain level (laughs) I was like oh my gosh (laughs) I was like oh okay and in my head I was like oh yeah I'm downplaying like I'm really downplaying the pain that I was in and yeah because well, was- you're such a positive person I could see you being like oh yeah I'm fine it's like I'm fine and I'm like at the moment they walk away I'm like sobbing hysterically yeah. to my husband oh yeah um yeah they it was definitely like a six at that yeah. point um and I again learned later that contractions on Pitocin are apparently way more intense mm-hmm. and can be have been said to be more painful than they are when you're not induced. Um, and, you know, knowing that now the like intense contractions I was having from the get go mm-hmm. um, and the, like, they were literally back to back to back to back. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a lot of time in between them that it was, it was actually pretty funny that I, I was like, yeah, it's only three or four. Like I'm fine. <laughs> we're walking around. <laughs> um, so yeah, then at that point, the nurse was like, I know you don't want to do an epidural, but let's do some pain meds and just take, you know, take that job so that you can get some rest tonight. Cause we're having a yeah. baby. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Take that job. We're going to have a baby and relax. My body's going to do the thing at about mm-hmm. three to six centimeters. The Foley should fall out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. So they come in and they check it and they check it and check it. And they like tug on it literally to oh see gosh. if it'll like pull out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's not moving. So we get to the 
I want to say it was 12 hours. It's for sure in my blog. Um, but the yeah. like the time limit on how long you can have this in, and we were at the end, and then they had to remove it. Yeah. They check me and they're like, oh yeah, you're um it's a mechanical dilation, which basically means like I was more dilated in one side than I was the next like I was only three in one direction and maybe five in the other direction mm-hmm. I was like oh okay that's like uh, okay that's kind of weird yeah um but I this new nurse so we've been through again so many so many nurses at this point yeah um I kept hearing her talk and she was so nice and the conversation just flowed really easy and it was the craziest thing and then I realized how I knew her so when I I alluded to earlier that I was working multiple jobs well while I was mm-hmm. pregnant was also during the pandemic and I was working on my master's in public health and had graduated and done an internship at the health department. Well, my internship ended right as it would have been December of 2019. So we Mm -hmm. were in full on emergency preparedness stage with all of the hospitals in the area. Yeah. With them, you know, every single week, if not sooner than that, communicating them real-time status updates of COVID, um, and preparing them. And I had realized that I had worked with this nurse um, before. So um, I like kind of casually brought in, she was like doing a double glove technique and I Mm -hmm. (laughs) commented on that and started talking about COVID and let her know because I didn't want to be weird and be like, I'm not doing before. And she literally like was the cutest thing she explained. She's like, oh my God, I know your voice sounds familiar. So that was so nice for me. Yeah that was the like breath of fresh air that I needed. It was just like, mm-hmm. she was coming in and pulling on this fully bowl, but we were laughing and having a good mm-hmm. time. And it was just so nice because it, like during delivering during a pandemic also, they had really strict regulation. So it was just my husband yeah. and I, we like, I didn't have my mom there. I didn't have yeah. friends there that could help advocate or could help kind of pass that mm-hmm. time. It was just the two of us being like, what the what is going on? <laughs> like, yeah, is yeah. this normal? Should we be doing something? I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then finally it would have been Monday morning, then 12 hours after they would have placed that Foley. I finally, like I still hadn't lost my mucus plug. So that mm-hmm. whole time, that's like one thing during pregnancy, people are like, Oh my God, well, did you lose your mucus plug yet? And I'm like, I don't know. This is such a like new mom thing that I'm like, oh, maybe I lost it in the middle of the night when I went to the bathroom and just didn't realize it. I had the <laughs> yeah. lights off. Like I very well could have. No, yeah. I had not lost my mucus. They were like, oh, no, gosh. you'll know. And I was like, well, maybe I like, maybe I just didn't notice. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you'll know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I hadn't, you know, I hadn't lost that yet. It was the mechanical dilation and still nothing. So then I get a new nurse. This is... <laughs> This is where things start to go downhill. Yeah. Um, you know, every hour on the hour, we were getting up and going and walking around because that was my mm-hmm. birth plan. And we were bored out of our minds on this yeah. labor and delivery. Like we'd literally watched every Christmas movie there was on 25 yeah. days of Christmas yeah. and the time that we were there. So, you know, I was just that morning, just happy-go-lucky, bouncing on on the ball that they give you and mm-hmm. my new nurse comes in and I'm like ready to take on the day ready to have a baby and I'm like hey can I get a shower at like mm-hmm. it's been three days yeah she was like very frantic was like no you can't have a shower that's not allowed on L&D and all these other things and I was like all right so it's real you're gonna be up in my business so yeah 
yeah, yeah. If you if you if you want all this with three days no shower then you go right ahead so they were able to get me some wipes and fresh okay. sheets okay. um was, was what they were able to do so while she was doing that we got up and we're walking around I remember I passed the nurse's station and everyone was staring at me like I was uncomfortable yeah how like you hard... you would know yeah like you know yeah I mean I'm sitting there I'm like oh my god is my like is my gown open my husband and I every time I yeah. was like you got the gown the normal way which is an mm-hmm. opening in the back and then you put the other gown on yeah. to close the back and I was like I mean, this was our routine. Like, did we forget it as my booty mm-hmm. hanging out? I don't know yeah, what's going yeah. on. And then because of the pandemic, I'm like, oh my God, did I forget my mask? Am I not wearing my mask? That's why they're staring yeah. at me. Come to find out I did actually forget my mask, <laughs> much, which is totally against hospital policy. And we realized that as we came oh, around God. the corner and we're like, oh, whoops. And I was like, eh, whatever. And my husband was like, you're pregnant. Who's going to say anything yeah. to you? Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. We just kept going. We walked around and around and around. <clears throat> and we came back and I said hi and everyone just kept staring at me so I was like well maybe they didn't hear me so I said hi again and that was like they went from a glare to just a stare like the audacity of me and I was like oh, okay, oh my gosh so we come back and then we're walking around and I'm like we're both kind of getting this sense that we're being followed so we like turn around, you know walking with my like little yeah, pole, yeah. and I'm like turning around and looking and I'm like you know stopping every time I have a contraction and just like okay mm-hmm. letting it pass breathing through it and then you know continuing on and then we get around to the corner and there's like now I'm like oh no someone for sure is like coming at us and I turn around Mm -hmm. and someone is running down the hallway at us and I'm like looking on the ground I'm like have I spilled have I lost my water what's going on and it's our nurse and she's literally like yelling to me (laughs) um that we can't I can't remember exactly what it is she said but I remember she got up to us um she got up to us and was like, like breathing heavily. It was like, you can't, you can't be out here. You need to be attached to your monitors. You, you can't be walking around on Pitocin. And I was like, well, I, okay, well, I have yeah. been walking around on Pitocin for the last day. And she's like, no, you've been on cervical ripening. I was like, mm, I'm not going to argue with you, but I've been yeah. like, you should probably read my chart again. Man. Yeah. Like but the I'm, communication, there was like yeah. no communication. I was like, okay. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to be good. I'm going to be a good patient. I don't want to be a troublemaker. Uh, yeah. but I learned with this nurse that I went from like the star patient on L and D that everyone, like I was having a great time with the other nurses to now it was like, Oh no, I got the feeling I have overstayed my welcome. And I'm the like official troublemaker on, on the L and D floor. Um, so yeah, she was like reprimanding me for, for being away from my monitors for too long. And I was like, okay, well, how long are you comfortable? Like, how long are you, my new nurse comfortable with me being away from my monitor because mm-hmm. the last nurses were comfortable with it and it was 15 minutes but I wanted to know what her expectation mm-hmm. was and she instead of answering my question reminded me again that I needed to be connected to my monitors so I was like okay well part of my birth plan is that I want to be up and walking around mm-hmm. and the last nurse told me I was going to be able to do that with who was the lead <laughs> she was the nurse lead on I yeah. can't remember the the technical term um any of my nurses out here are like oh, Lindsay. <laughs> um she was the like team lead that told me also that I didn't have to get a catheter that was another reason that I didn't want an epidural because I had heard mm-hmm. horror stories about women getting catheters mm-hmm. um and she had watched how well my husband attended to me and helped me you know get 
on and off the bed and moving around to the bathroom that she was like, I'm comfortable. This was the past nurse that she was mm-hmm. like, I'm comfortable if you don't get a catheter while you have an epidural. If again, I could still, you know, I wasn't completely like laid out yeah. and I could still move well enough. She was like, I'm totally cool with that. This girl, no, she was not having any of that. She's doing everything by the book. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. It'll be fine. Like I'm going to have my baby soon. It's going to be fine. Yeah. So I tell her, I'm like, well, I'd, I'd like a portable monitor so that I can get up and get around. She's like, oh, well, it's going to be, you know, you're going to mess with the Bluetooth at the nurse's station and you're going to have to pay extra. Your insurance isn't going to cover it. And she's like giving me all these reasons for it. Like how strange. <clears throat> it was just the weirdest thing. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't even want to deal with you. It'll be fine. But then it's mm-hmm. like, you're stuck to your room. You can't move. And it's yeah. like five foot of get, like I couldn't even get around my bed yeah to get to the machines without like having to disconnect myself like you just mm-hmm. don't they're like well you can just move around in your room I'm like <laughs> you're like chained down to these machines and yeah. you can't even get around your bed so I was like okay whatever it'll be fine so then at that point this you know this new nurse got me back there and she's like all right we're kicking it up a notch your Pitocin's going to 14. I was like okay oh whatever yeah. Apparently that's really high. Uh, yeah. I think most people are at like a six or yeah. I've got it somewhere in there, but it was uh, much lower, <laughs> much, much lower, lower than yeah. that. And, you know, we were <laughs> watching the monitor and we would turn it towards us and she'd come in and turn the monitor away from us oh like, my goodness oh my god I was like this woman for sure hates us um but the like the contractions were getting super strong and then yeah. I was on for the 14 for a while and they had me like seated up in this like I was like sitting straight up and I can't remember what the like position it was called but it wasn't one mm-hmm. of the ones I had thought about doing but because I was stuck to my bed that was <laughs> that was the one we ended up with yeah. um, and it just really really made the contractions worse and the only thing that gave me a little bit of relief was on my side well when I laid mm-hmm. on my side then the monitors because you have those external monitors on your stomach and I had had them around me for so long um, that it just, they kept adjusting it. So then they decided that I needed internal monitors. And I think it had been long enough that I had been in labor that I was starting to make people uncomfortable and that they were Mm. really wanting to keep a close eye on me. Um, So then I got a, the resident OBGYN on the floor came in and I had literally had seven different cervical checks by seven different people and could rank how comfortable each one of their hands were and who had the worst. And my OBGYN was the worst. Um, yeah, it was, it's a weird thing at like cervical checks and how you like literally had seven different people doing cervical checks on you while you, while I was there. Um, so I got the internal monitors and then at that point I was, I was in the bed. I was not Mm -hmm. able to really get up and and move around. So, um, you know, it, we, at that point I was just really getting discouraged and ready to go. And then lo and behold, a different nurse comes in with the little pink and blue bonnet and she comes in with the, um, the little cart and the train she's getting everything lined out in the like mm-hmm. sterilization area and I was like oh oh man it's close it is mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. we're doing good she came in and I was like okay that that got me that got me amped I was like okay let's do this well right after that point uh, like 
I was losing it with my contractions. So we ended up having, um, we called the anesthesiologist in and you've got to like, they always say with epidurals that you've got to give them time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might be in a C-section or they might have, you know, a series of number of patients. So if you wait until you're like losing it yeah. in pain, you might have 45 minutes, an hour before they can come in and do the epidural on you. And mm-hmm, the more, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be able to stay still and all of that. So, um, I, I was feeling pretty bad at that point. So they came in and come to find out, um, this anesthesiologist was actually, uh, I think he did his resident SIUC. So Southern Illinois Carbondale. Mm -hmm. Um, so we like kind of chatted, it was, you know, a little familiarity. So we, we chatted about Illinois and such, and, um, they tell you, they're like, Oh, let me know if, if I hit something Mm -hmm. and I, so that I can readjust. Cause I can't like basically said he's going in blind. I was like, okay. Epidurals are terrifying. And your, your husband or your partner can't be in there with you. They mm-hmm. like, don't allow them to be in there with you. And it, I felt it and I told him and I readjusted it. And after going through what I went through, I'm like, oh my God, maybe I should have never said anything. And maybe the epidural would have taken, like, was it me that, and I got like, this is just how your brain, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. how your brain works. But that was one of the things that I thought. And as the epidural was happening, my water was breaking and I, I didn't realize it was my water breaking, but I'm like hunched over, not allowed to move. And my nurse, <gasps> the nurse that does not like me, uh, I'm like, uh, um, I don't know if this is supposed to be happening right now, but like, there's a lot of fresh, like water going. I don't know. She was like, your water's breaking, you're fine. It's okay. Like your water's breaking. I was like, no, 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 I don't think you get it. Like, this is really intense. And she was like, yeah. no, it, like, it's just your water breaking. I was like, oh, cool. My water finally broke after they had done they did a membrane sweep after the, so they tried to break my water after the Foley bulb and we had still gone a really mm-hmm. long period of time before my water actually like fully broke. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they did that and we kept going and the contractions were getting super worse. And our, this nurse in particular was like, do not hit the button until you've told me first. And I don't know why she told me that, but at like little me people pleaser, I was like, okay. She already doesn't like me. I'm gonna follow the rules. Yeah. So I kept I've waiting never and waiting, heard and, waiting that and I, I like honestly, I have only ever heard of women that are like boop 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 yeah. just hitting the button. Yeah. And I don't know for like I, she must have been a new nurse. Like in mm-hmm. my eye, she had to have been a new nurse. Um, yeah. And like maybe for charting purposes, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But I was like zero to sixty pain level even after the epidural, like crying hysterically and he comes finally 40, 45 minutes later, comes rushing back in and is like, gave me a bolus of fentanyl and was like, it, pain is like a snowball. You have to stay in front of it. You have to hit the button. Otherwise it's, it's not going to work. And I was like, yeah, well, I like tell that to nursing nurse over here mm-hmm. who I like, and I wanted to call her out, but it was like, this is not the appropriate place or time. So I was like, I'm just gonna, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna do it the next time. So yeah. I hit the call button and I hit the call button and she doesn't show up again and she doesn't show up again. And then finally at 15 minutes, I was like, yo, I just hit the button. I know you said you wanted me to wait. Doctor anesthesiologist told Mm -hmm. me I needed to stay on top of it. I don't want to happen last time to happen again. 
Mm-hmm. She was like, okay. And then same thing happened. It got worse and worse and worse and worse. And like I was hitting the button and nothing was happening. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is terrible. Well, another 30, 45 minutes later, I was vomiting, like projectile vomiting everywhere. And that was the other piece. The last couple of days I had been just puking. So I had mm-hmm. nothing, nothing in my system. I hadn't eaten anything. Uh, the only thing that I had was broth and I was just puking from the pain. And then mm-hmm. the pain medication, I was puking from that. And he came in and gave me another bolus. And I was like, okay, finally some reliefs, next shift change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we get, we get to, this is the like right before the, the delivery happened. So I get this nurse, this next nurse, nurse number eight, I think the, uh, she just got the absolute worst of me. And I was only at a seven at that point. And she was just the right amount of um, like pragmatic, but also like, hopeful when I needed the like optimism piece yeah um that she was like gave me the options and was like okay you're coming at that like timeline after having your water broke and you know you've been here for so long I think probably what's going to happen next is your doctor might give you a like set period of time and if you haven't delivered at that point then we would take you to a c-section and that would be a um she'd have to cast me like the cast that would stay in long-term there's different mm-hmm. types of catheters didn't know this either mm-hmm. that the one I had with the epidural was they would cast me and release the fluid and then take it out mm-hmm. um but this was the one that like for the surgery that like that was part of the prep that you had to have it in. and I was just like go ahead and do it I can guarantee mm-hmm. you I am not any further along. And at, like all of the doctors and nurses could not agree. At, like every time I went in, someone would say I'm a seven and my doctor would come in and say I'm a five. They'd say I'm a three. He'd say I'm a one. That would like, he was always different and hmm. smaller than what the nurses were. Um, so I had just told her, I was like, he's, he's going to say that I'm not as dilated as everyone else thinks I am. That has been the theme of the last couple of days. Just go ahead and do the catheter. Like I'm ready. Mm-hmm. she was like okay she was like well I know you didn't you know this wasn't part of your birth plan so we can just wait and I was like just go call him and have you know start prepping if you don't get a hold of him and and all of that and that like at that point I was I felt weak mm-hmm. I was defeated I was exhausted I like I literally felt like at that point I just gave up and I was like I don't care like <laughs> just get this baby yeah. on me mm-hmm. um so then after that point that we're like okay we're doing the c-section it's happening at 10 o'clock we're gonna prep you and it's like all of these things start happening that they like all these nurses come in and this is the part where she's like okay well do you know why you're getting um uh, why you're having your c-section and I was like uh I'm like rehashing everything that's happened over the last couple of days and I was like well we did the cervical ripening and then the pitocin and then the foley and then the membrane sweep and then the water break and then I got an epidural and then I'm somewhere between a five and and she like cut me off she was like failure to progress and I was like oh okay, that was the answer you were looking for. I like, wasn't really sure there yeah, <laughs> what was yeah. going on. So then she's like giving me her spiel and she's like, okay, like casual conversation this is like, so how did, how'd the epidural go? And I was like, oh, you know, fine. And she keeps talking. And then I was like, wait, no, 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 it wasn't fine. I, like it, I had breakthrough pain and the, the other, so this was a different anesthesiologist than the one that did my epidural. Mm-hmm. So trying to get her all caught up, I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Like that was just me being like, casual conversation like it actually didn't go well like he had Mm -hmm. to do bolus every time I don't really know what that means but like just so you know and I remember she paused and looked at me 
she didn't ever respond to it and then she just like kept going on her like pre-c-section spell that she was like you're not going to feel pain but you're definitely going to feel pressure it's actually a really common misconception that you're completely numb and I was like it was the first time I'd ever heard that it's like ever yeah I'm sorry what and she's just like but it's just going to be pulling like a pulling or tugging sensation you feel it but it's not like it's not painful or anything it's like okay if you say so you've done more of these than me I have no idea yeah Yeah. so then they're you know I'm like okay failure to progress I'm gonna feel this like what's new (laughs) just let's get it rolling with with. how many punches like yeah you were just kind of like depleted at this point yeah oh my gosh yeah that's yeah that's such a good way to describe it um so yeah, then we got in there and they are like, okay, your husband's like, we're going to wheel you down. Your husband's going to take your bags and take him to a waiting room. And in my eyes, I was like, why can't you just take him to the postpartum? Yeah. And they wouldn't answer. They wouldn't answer me. They were like, oh, that's just protocol. Like, okay. Now I know that the reason that that is, is because you don't always go to the postpartum floor. If something happens to you, you go to the PICU floor. Oh my gosh. And you might, yeah, you might end up in the ICU. Um, your baby might end up, you know, so yeah, I, like, yeah. I didn't make that realization until afterwards, but he did that. And in the meantime, he's, you know, dropping off the bags and coming back and the nurse is, or the anesthesiologist is the only person in there. And she's like, <laughs> she's like can you lift yourself on it like they like wheel you up to the yeah. to the bed and she's like okay can you lift yourself on there I'm like you just gave me another like a double epidural at, like, yeah yeah no okay. way and she's like I'm just like she was like mumbling to herself and she was like okay I'm just gonna have to lift you I got like I guess I'm gonna have to lift you myself because the other nurses were already scrubbed in and ready to go and oh I was like gosh. just woman like I am hefty right now. Oh my gosh. I was like, I am a two person lift. Do not try and lift me. And I was like, my husband is coming. Like he can lift me. Yeah. Just wait for him. Then finally someone shoot like, yeah, I like, yeah. I was like, Colton. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, get in here. This woman's crazy. Oh my God. Finally, someone, a different nurse had come in and and helped get me on there. But yeah, we, we got on there and I remember we laid back and then the OBGYN that had seen me earlier to do the internal he like was this like cute little old man that was just like gave me the look and I was like oh yeah buddy I remember you yeah what's up nice guy nice guy cute little guy um he came in and they like introduced themselves to like make you feel more comfortable and then the Mm -hmm. anesthesiologist is like (laughs) I don't know I like expected they were gonna play music and it was just gonna I don't I feel like everyone's like oh you get your like doctors are listening to their own music and I don't maybe if I had requested it and maybe yeah. they had music playing but that's not what I remember from this event yeah that we she's like all right let's get started and the anesthesiologist was like would you like something for anxiety and they had strapped me down to the table yeah like strapped your arms strapped your legs like I was like Jesus on the on the cross oh my like, gosh. strapped down and I was like no I'm good like I like medicine and operating room has always been like very interesting to me. I don't get grossed out easily. Like Mm -hmm, I always mm -hmm. felt like that stuff was very cool. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not anxious at all. Like I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, and I looked up in the light and there's, you know, that big light above you Mm -hmm. and I could see my reflection. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I get to watch. And I'm watching them make the, they're like, all right, let's go. And I'm watching them make the incision. And as it hits my right, like the right side. Yeah. I felt a 
sharp pain. And I, when I say I felt it, I mean, I felt it. Yeah. And I screamed out and the anesthesiologist was like, pressure or pain, pressure or pain. And I was like, uh, pressure. Because in my head, I was like, Oh, Cause that's mind. what they told you. Yeah. You was going to happen to you. So that's yeah. what you thought it was. Yeah. And in my mind, like, I felt like I like literally remember telling myself, I was like, your mind's playing tricks on you. Like you mm-hmm. visually saw this happen. Mm-hmm. You just think that it's pain because you watched them cut your body open. And I was mm-hmm. like, fine, you're not actually feeling this. There's no way. She just kept asking me. And it, I was like, it's pressure. It's pressure. And then it was really intense pressure. Yeah. And then I thought I was going to vomit and I was oh begging. I was like, give me something for like, I'm going to puke. I'm going to puke. And I'm like this, like, and I literally remember sitting there and they never gave me anything. And I was like, am I just, just going to puke and suffocate on my own puke? Because I have nowhere to. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I turned my head and my husband was like, she's going to puke. And there's like magical little container comes up to me and I puke during the middle of it. And they keep putting this alcohol swab in front of my nose and I was like dude get that on my face like I, that's yeah. not helping like you're not helping me and uh, she's just she keeps that like over and over again pressure or pain pressure or pain and I like I keep saying pressure because in my head I'm like there's no freaking way that this is happening there's literally mm-hmm. no way mm-hmm. I, like you're fine I kept trying to tell myself I was fine I was fine well then she, this anesthesiologist pushes my husband out of the way who was seated right behind me during the c-section she pushes him away and I like he's in full protector mode. And and I'm like looking, like trying to look back at him to make eye contact with him that I'm like, oh my God, where are you? What's going on? And I could hear, like he was talking to me. I could hear him. So I knew about how far away he was from me. But this woman was literally running, running around behind me frantic and was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. This has never happened before. I need help. Get over here. Like yelling to these other nurses who are trying to deliver the baby that are like, okay, coming over here. And it was literally just so frantic. And I'm saying, I like in my head, I'm like, how professional is this? One. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. I'm still nauseous. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, give me all of the pain medication, freaking knock me out, do yeah. something. I like, I am, I am exhausted. Like, I, it's not, like something has to happen. I was like begging for the anxiety medication at this point. I was like, I want it. Give it to me now. Like I need it. Yeah. And I still had to puke and they still kept giving me that freaking alcohol swab. And I was like, like looking and I looked in my head and I heard someone like grunting. I was like, what is going on? And I turned my head and this, the nurse literally has my hands. And I was I, like, I joke about it in my writing, but I was like, I was in an unintentional arm wrestling match with this woman yeah. and I was winning her two hands to my one. I was in so much pain that I literally was pulling my hands up and she with both hands was trying to get my hand down well my IV wasn't working because I was squeezing my hands so tight from the pain yeah Yeah. and I was pulling them up that they weren't able to push any medication to me because my IV was out so then I had her trying to pull down one side and I had the anesthesiologist on the other side trying to do a butterfly on my hand I was like oh no no this is not the time that you're gonna IV me like yeah in my head I was like okay you need to relax relax your hands, relax. It's going to be fine. Like they need to get an IV in. You don't want it. Like it's going to get worse if you don't relax. So then I like next thing, it was just all very like, yeah, very chaotic all over chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. And then I hear my, the, like the one sweet thing that my OBGYN did is he remembered that like my husband and I are avid water skiers. And uh, like, that was what he exclaimed whenever Mm -hmm. like he had delivered the baby that he 
right I honestly I don't remember I think he raised him over the little screen that's in front of you but I I remember audibly that he had said we have a healthy water skier and I was like oh oh thank god that was a good sign and at that point at like then I relaxed and I don't know if it was the like it was enough to get me to relax but then I felt an extreme amount of pulling and tugging and that's the point where your innards are on the outside of your body um and come to find out five months postpartum I had a really severe hernia umbilical hernia so I don't I don't know. I suspect that that was part of the reason why it was so painful for me. Um, I truly don't know, but um, I had a hernia at at that point that um, I think that was part of the reason that it was so painful for me. Um, But, you know, that all happened and I was like, okay, I can hear the baby crying. And like, you like kind of prepare yourself for these like almost worst case scenarios that it's like, you're not going to hear the baby crying or the baby's going to be blue or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, he's crying. They're doing the tests, all of that. And then I hear them say like, dad, do you want to come meet your son? And I remember seeing my husband come into my vision Mm -hmm. and he stopped and I just started screaming again out of pain. And he turned around and looked like, that's the one thing that I remember is him turning around and look at me. And I could tell he was struggling with, do I, Mm -hmm. do I go to her? Do I go to our new child? And (laughs) woof. That oh my just, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that just really tears me up. And that like, yeah, I don't know. It could have been, it could have been anxiety. It could have been pain. It could have been all of the things, but I like, it got so intense for me that like, I, yeah. I was, it was the absolute worst at this point that it had been during the delivery. And, um, my husband shared with me later that he goes, when I left, or when he left and took the baby all the way down the hall to the postpartum, he goes, I could hear you screaming. Oh goes, my God. Every person on that floor could hear you screaming. And it was terrifying. Yeah. And I like, I was probably having a panic attack on top of the, yeah. the pain and everything else. But <clears throat> after, after a little bit longer, um, I remember the like, and maybe it was just that the bit, like I knew that the baby was okay and that it was almost over and that I mm-hmm. like relaxed for just a moment, but they were able to push whatever they pushed to me. And I remember her saying, she's like, you're probably not going to remember much. And I remember saying, I don't care. And I, yeah. I like, <laughs> oof, man, yeah. just, oof. Um, yeah. yeah, I just remember being like, I don't even care. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Um, and I, like, I was, out of it like I was I think I was exhausted like my body was just exhausted from the pain and I think they finally got the medications pushed to me but I like I lost it so then we went into recovery and um like I don't remember (laughs) the one of the nurses I like the like first memory I have is her being like oh he's got strawberry blonde hair I wonder who that's from must be from mom she's got uh she's got blonde and I like the equivalent of like drunkenly was like the blonde is fake it's highlights I was like there's a like little com- comedic relief that I and probably everyone else needed and then I was like back passed out but oh god I don't I don't remember like I remember because there's a picture that I was doing yeah. skin to skin contact in the in the recovery room um 
And I remember the nurse giving me a nipple shield and was like, here, you're going to need this. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because I asked for it. I don't know if yeah. it's because of the fact that I was having issues. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but we were back there and that's the point in time where they do the thing called the fundal massage. Um, and mm-hmm. I remembered another mom sharing that with me that they have to, you know, push on your stomach. And that was, you know, sh- this mother in particular, <laughs> I remember I was in high school when she told me, um, that she was like, they were standing over the top of me and like pushing on my stomach with all of their might. And she was like, that was worse than the delivery. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. But I remember looking at that nurse and man, I was watching her like a hawk. She was my mortal enemy. I was like, mm-hmm. I remember yeah. I called out to her one time and I was like, how many more times do you have to do this? And yeah. that, like this poor woman, <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor woman. And she'd been just so great to me. The like, what? she was a great nurse. And I was just like, yeah. yo, how many times are you doing this? Like, don't come over here. Like, give me a second. She was yeah. like, you know what? I got to do it. But again, that like, I had that hernia. And I think that mm-hmm. was part of the reason why, like, they're just not pleasant at all. Yeah. Um, but I think that was part of the reason that it was like so much, like I was having so much pain every time they like even touched my stomach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember anything from that. And it took a really long time for me to, I think I released my story, let's see, at the end of April. So it mm-hmm. took me a full, almost five months to be able to like, remember certain parts of what happened that it was just like blocked out of my memory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we went to the um, went to the postpartum floor and I knew to ask for, um, a lactation consultant visit. I knew that my, like I had checked to see that my insurance covered it and I had the lactation consultant come in and I had a really great postpartum nurse who kind of showed me like a couple different tips and tricks. So like rolling up a towel underneath I'm I'm larger chested. So there's like yeah. additional kind of tricks that you have to do, um, in certain positions, like a football position worked really well for me, especially with having mm-hmm. a C-section um, and my anatomy that just worked better and like to get a towel so I could get the right latch. Like I was kind of doing all of the right things. So when the lactation consultant came in, she was like, that's a big baby. Like he's gaining weight. You're good. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. Pediatrician mm-hmm. comes in. Um, my son had a, or has a, a little skin tag on his ear. Mm-hmm. And then his, um, one of his testicles was really large that so had a lot of fluid in it and come yeah. to find out that's also pretty common, um, a pretty common thing. So that was what everyone was very concerned about. Um, and we missed the lip tie, uh, which is a thing that I, another thing that I recommend is if you like, definitely if, you know, check to see if your insurance covers lactation consultants, but then also you can have your pediatrician while they're there doing the check check for a lip tie and you can have the la- a lactation consultant can't necessarily diagnose the lip tie, but they can tell you, um, and give you an idea. And I, after many, many, many painful moments of, mm-hmm. um, of breastfeeding and blood shooting out and yeah. super painful, I really, really struggled. Um, but I learned that he had a significant, a very significant lip tie. I'm like, hmm. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Would, have been, would have been good to know that going home, you know, when you don't have hands helping you with the latch, and yeah, yeah. you're, you're on your own. So we, uh, doctor came in different, different OBGYN. My, I never saw my OBGYN again. And he moved, <laughs> he moved oh my to gosh. a different, different state, different practice. So I like, 
after my delivery, like I never saw him again. I just like automatically got pushed to someone else's care and he came in and was like, all right, like, have you been up getting moving around? Have you watched your little educational videos, yada, yada? And I was like, yeah, I've been trying to move around and blah, blah, blah. And he said something and I don't know how it came up, but he was like, how long have you been here? I was like, since Saturday. He goes, oh, that was you. He's (gasps) like, uh, yeah. Oh my God. I would assume so unless someone else was in labor for 56 hours before a really terrible c-section yeah he was like oh honey let's get you out of here like yeah I'm we're gonna get you out of here so you can go home and I was like great I you know texted my parents who live in Illinois and had a 14 hour mm-hmm. drive I was mm-hmm. like come on down we were able to go and get our dogs and that was that was the end of it and I like I <laughs> not crack up but like your cards that are like man we thought birth was the worst part of it and postpartum postpartum just hits different I tell my husband now we like joke all the time like how long is one postpartum (laughs) seriously (laughs) though I'm like technically I'm postpartum for the rest of my life and I was like are somebody 18 years old and I'm gonna be like 18 years postpartum (laughs) (laughs) I mean it is like it's just like a total shift in life yeah your perspective immediately changes Mm -hmm. It just hit the, like, it hits you like a freight train almost. And I like, yeah. <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible, Yeah, but I don't like, I remember being at like, I was angry. I was really angry. And at like, yeah. was, and you had a right to be <laughs> side effects of the trauma. Um, yeah. that was, that was a whole new thing that I had never experienced before. And, uh, I remember I was just angry. I was angry about everything. And I was like severely agitated and, mm-hmm. you know, thank God for these, Inst- these different Instagram accounts of women that are trying, you know, that are lactation consultants mm-hmm. and are, you know, pelvic floor physical therapists and pediatricians and, you know, women just trying to share their experiences that I was on. It was like every nursing session I was on Instagram or reading blogs or mm-hmm. like finding resources to try and figure out what was, what was going on. And I just remember being mad that I was like, why didn't anyone tell me? It was like this. And I like you postpartum and this, like the fourth trimester, as they call it. And even after that, you're surviving at like Mm -hmm. you. And I've heard people joke about it, that it's like, it's God's way of tricking you into having kids again. Like (laughs) once, like once you hit a certain point that like, it just like gets wiped from your memory because you're so sleep deprived and all of that, you get to another point. You're like, Oh my God, I've gotten sleep again. I can breathe. Mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. just kind of forget what that time is like. And I think a lot of people at like, and maybe it is the trauma part of it. It is a lot of, it is maybe very traumatic for a lot of people that they like, they put it out of their memory almost. And they like, don't revisit that. And that like, and that's why I think like what you're doing. And part of the reason that I started, you know, started up, writing on my blog was that I wanted other women to their comfort level Mm -hmm. to be able to have the information so that they feel prepared um but yeah post I could I could go on I mean we could have a whole nother (laughs) podcast about postpartum like we really could yeah yeah I mean it's just crazy yeah so it was it was tough. I'm honestly, that was the, not that I, I actually said what I was saying, your card where you're like, I thought that, um, <laughs> the, the card on your shop that was like, we thought that birth was the, the hardest part. And I was like, oh man, that lands, that lands. <laughs> so yeah. Hard. I mean, it really is. It's just, 
it really is so hard. And, and it was so different really with Piper too. Like with Harper, I thought like my life was over and I was like depressed Mm -hmm. and it was so bad. And it went on probably longer than the baby blues should. Yeah. And I never sought sought out like help or therapy at that point because I was just like, everyone goes through this. Like, why am I like so anxious and like depressed? Like I, why am I crying all the time? Like, I just felt like there was something wrong with me and I didn't want to tell anyone. Yeah. And then with Piper, I was just like, and then everything else happened with me. And then I finally went to therapy and I was like, oh my God, why have I not like talked about this? (laughs) This is crazy. And then with Piper, it was just like a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And I had like constant anxiety. So it is really different. I had different experiences with both, but both of them is just like your hormones are so thrown off. Oh yeah. I mean, it's so crazy that uh, like, and that's why the like very first point that I had in in that, um, that like kickoff post was that it's like every birth experience is different from Mm -hmm. every woman, but also every birth. And that's what like, I think other women go in and maybe have like potentially not, maybe not traumatic or, you know, Mm -hmm. and they get into the next one and the next one is completely different and something that they unexpected. And maybe that one's traumatic and it just, yeah, it's, it's really hard. It's interesting that like what you were just talking about, uh, you know, you go to your, your peds appointments and I, I don't know about your doctor, but like for us, uh, like at my son's appointments, they made me fill out a postpartum question mm-hmm. questionnaire. And I like, I knew that they were assessing um, postpartum depression, but I like at that point, yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm not depressed, Mm-mm. but something's wrong with me. And yeah. I, and I would never write that down on a piece of paper and oh just give God. it to a random doctor. So yeah. I have a very hard time with that process as well. Yeah. Yeah. So then we went the say, what is it? The six weeks. And I like filled mm-hmm. it out and I tried and I like, I remember the doctor leaving and I was like, yo, how honest should I be on this for? He was like, yeah. I mean, he was like, don't write the, like anything yeah. super serious. And he's like, but like, be honest. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So I did. And I like, it was never like my score was never to the mm-hmm. point that it was like alarming yeah. for them, but I did write down on there. Like I would check yes to yeah. you know, a mm-hmm. couple of the questions on there. And I got to the six week appointment and uh, like, I, uh, I went through a lot after that point, I was struggling yeah. with breastfeeding. Um, my dog's health rapidly declined. Um, he was having seizures that started when I was 37. I've not written about this because I like, I just now, literally just now, uh, like the last month or so I told my husband, I was like, I feel like I'm back to me again. Like I've not, I've not felt myself for a long time. And I like, I was uh, technically major depressive disorder um, after and it took me a while to get in to see the psychiatrist. And mm-hmm. then it took me a while to get to the right therapist yeah. who had kind of the right experience to help me with what I was going through. And um, my my dog had started having seizures, which I didn't realize was traumatic also. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. he, my husband and I were working different shifts the whole time I was pregnant. He was because of COVID, he's an instructor in the military and they had to, you know, could only have a certain number of students in the classroom. So he worked night shifts. So we were 
sleeping in different areas and you know like classic pregnancy I was like really snoring yeah Um, yeah so I had both the dogs with me and one of my dogs had a seizure for five minutes straight and I like I was screaming across the house to try and get his attention and I was like trying to hold down a 90 pound like he was a big dog a 90 pound dog because I like when people have seizures I know that you're supposed to put them on their sides I I did the same thing with the dog and he was fighting me to stand up and he was still seizing while he was standing up when my husband finally came in and thought someone was, you know, attacking us, but the Mm -hmm. dog was having a seizure and we had gotten him on medication and he was okay. And then it was like a a week, two weeks postpartum, his seizure started happening again and got really bad and longer and stronger and worse. And he was, dogs are violent when they're when they're having seizures and afterwards I they don't can, know can what's totally going on. relate to this because that's what happened to Kona. Oh, well, that's exactly what that. happened to Kona. Yeah. Well, it wasn't postpartum, but right after we had Harper, she yeah. had that se- severe, like intense back surgery. And then like a couple months ago, she had the seizures, but she's a, she was a very small dog, Yeah. but I cannot even it's- imagine. So I know how traumatic that is. So and I then- feel for you. Ugh. I did not really. I'm so sorry. I like every oh, no. time that someone's every time that someone's dog passed after that or any mom going through postpartum, I was like, oh my, oh God, my God, I just empathize so strongly yeah. with them. And I was like, I was in so much pain for so long with that. But at like I couldn't control him. I was, you know, recovering from my C-section. The, yeah. you know, oh we had God. the baby. I had two big dogs in the house. We had to separate him in our house and he had mm-hmm. to stay in a kennel. And then my husband had to go back to work and he was like, I can't. I can't like, I have to think of you and the baby and our other dog and there, you guys are not safe when I'm not here. Like to the point where my husband had to have welding gloves to control him because they just don't know what's going on. And so it, it went on and on and on. And we, you know, we kept talking to the doctors and we tried all the medication and we tried to, we were like, okay, maybe we could find him another family. That's, you Mm -hmm. know, hunting that has property that he can go out and run that doesn't have kids. And he's, you know, maybe the only Mm -hmm. dog that he can still live, live a life. And uh, that, like that idea was just traumatic for me. I was. Yeah. Especially in that state of mind postpartum. Yeah. And then I was like, I went through the guilt thing too, that I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, how dare I have a baby that I like, he was my baby and now Mm -hmm. I can't care for him. And now he Mm -hmm. has to just sit in a kennel and be separated from our family and what life is that so I was really hard on myself and yeah I just cried 20 like I cried what you were talking about earlier I was crying 24 7 I could not stop I was miserable and Mm -hmm. it's really hard to breastfeed when you're miserable and my son was nursing for an hour at a time I Mm -hmm. I did the app thing where I timed it and Mm -hmm. I you know all the books I read and all the recommendations were 30 minutes is a, is a normal feeding and 15 minutes on each side. Well, not my guy. Mm -mm, No, Mm -hmm. he was eating for 30 minutes on every, you know, each side. Mm -hmm. And then you hear the like dinner and a snack. Oh no, there was no snack. It was dinner and a dinner and Mm -hmm. we weren't getting a good latch. And I was spending an hour at a time. And then you throw in the burping and the changing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. getting them back to bed. Then you've got 30 to 90 minutes to before you and eat and drink water so you have enough supply mm-hmm. before you do it again and he wasn't getting a good latch and I like 
I was miserable. Every time I tried to sleep, I was having flashbacks and I would wake up feeling like someone was pushing on my stomach or that I was back in the, in the delivery. Um, and having uh, like, I was having flash, but like flashbacks to the dog and at like Mm -hmm. all of these traumatic events, it was like, we're just all, all coming back up again and things that I had never even thought about. And the, yeah, it was just so crazy. So we ended up, it, it got really, really bad. And we ended up having to put him down. Oh, it was right before my yeah. six week appointment. Cause I went in and the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the poor other provider that I got set up with. Cause you know, my doctor left, yeah. um, was like, Oh, how are you? And I, I remember right before that, my, like, I was crying hysterically, like in the bathroom, my husband was trying to give me a shower. Cause you know, I couldn't bend over and like wash myself in yeah. sickness and in health, like really yeah. marriage in sickness and in health. And I didn't realize it until I was postpartum that I was like, Oh, this came this like sickness and in health part came a lot quicker than I thought. Yeah. Like in my head, I was like, Oh, so, you know, as you get older, you just take care of each other. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> partner you know, your husband, your, you know, whomever, that's your person and they got to take care of you. And like, he had to lift me into the bed. He had to shower me. I couldn't, I couldn't bend down. I couldn't do anything. And I remember him sitting down next to me and telling me, he was like, I I think you've got PTSD. Mm -hmm. And I just like was hysterical. And I went to the doctor the, the next day or the following day was my appointment. And this poor, poor woman, so sweet. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think I have PTSD as I'm like crying hysterically and she's like okay she's like you seem you know like you're probably right let's get you Mm -hmm. you know let's get you referred let's get you set up with someone she's like yeah it's just a really tough time and some people you know they've just got all these things happening at one time and you know maybe their dog died and I was just like oh my god I was like oh my dog actually did die she's like oh my god I just put my foot in my mouth I was like it's fine I almost didn't tell you I didn't want you to feel bad but it's really terrible oh my god yeah it uh it's tough. And then I started, uh, as you know, I think this is what connected us was the pumping. Yes. The pumping. Yes. Pumping. I, I ended up doing exclusive pumping and then I was, uh, an oversupplier and struggled with mastitis and, uh, mastitis multiple times. And I was constantly clogged and it was, uh, it was a lot, but I yeah. felt like if I was able to produce that, I should, be able to donate it and build up a supply. And I was able to mm-hmm. do that. And that was, that was great, but it was a lot of time, a lot of organizing, a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. It's a lot of work, a lot of dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I feel, yeah, I learned, I learned a lot about exclusive pumping and nursing and all sorts yeah. of, <laughs> all sorts of things that maybe I'll get to nurse next time. Maybe I won't, but at least oh I'm, gosh. I know now. So yeah, that's a, highlight into postpartum <laughs> yeah but can I ask you so one far. more question before yeah. you hang up so after everything looking back what is like the one thing that you took from it all of it even though it was so bad and like really hard to look back on like is there a silver lining in it for you yeah I, I think it's the education piece of it I mean that's what I really enjoy writing and Mm -hmm. I enjoy, I like, I enjoy sharing resources. And I think that, uh, you know, my, my couple of friends right after me that, that were pregnant at the time um, that I was able to, to help them navigate that experience so that they're hopefully don't, didn't experience something like, like mine. And, you know, one of my friends was able to get a, um, 
oh gosh, I can't think of it, but she didn't, um, when she went to get induced, she was able to talk about the like right options for pain. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's the silver lining of it is being able to help, help others and help prepare other moms and be a support for, for other moms. You just yeah. really, <clears throat> you really empathize on a completely different level after you've been through, been through birth and, mm-hmm. you know, something, something that's traumatic or, um, yeah. and, or postpartum that you, you know, it's that connection and support and that like just caring for another human, you know, yeah. <laughs> being there and then for where, someone. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to read your blog posts? Oh, you're so sweet. Um, I have a blog and it's called, she stole my heart. <laughs> Love it. Um, so you can search for that and it's on my, it's linked on my Instagram. Those are the last articles that I've written. Um, I plan to do some on postpartum and hopefully sharing other birth stories. Um, that's why I just really vibed with your podcast. I was like, Oh, Courtney, I was like, that's exactly what I was wanting to do too, is sharing, sharing stories. So that's amazing. Um, yeah, I don't have anything recent on there right now, just cause I've been in, you know, full-time mom busy. life yeah. and, <laughs> and figuring out, you know, coming out of my hole, um, figuring out how to raise a child, but yeah, I, uh, totally. I <laughs> so sorry that's okay dad and baby are home (laughs) well thank you so much Lindsay, for coming on I really appreciate it yes thank you for having me